0: Hello, and welcome back to another edition of Pacific Post-Ups. I'm here again with Nick Boylan. How are you today, Nick?
1: Good, thanks, Lou.
0: Excellent. Well, uh, we've actually got some trades to talk about in the Pacific Division, uh, including one between two Pacific teams. Um, Whilst it wasn't exactly uh, the biggest headline maker of the trade deadline, uh, we did have a trade between the Clippers and the Kings earlier in the week. Uh, the Clippers with the main incentive to clear out a, a roster spot, whether that's for another trade or a buyer um, and the Kings to pick up a, a fringe young prospect. What did you make of that, uh, that Cabin Gale trade, uh, Nick?
1: Well, I, I think for the Clippers, obviously it makes sense, as you said, to, to clear up a roster spot, to go get someone who is going to, you know, potentially factor into their postseason season rotation. Um, so I think, you know, fair enough, you know, he's, he's a former first round pick, but that's the exact same reason that Sacramento do it. Um, it's a, a pretty, you know, sort of, uh, you know, not no risk potential reward move, uh, particularly with Marvin Bagley being out, I would say for the rest of the season, um, unless he might come back, we'll see how he goes, but um, Sacramento might choose to sort of ease him back into things as they continue to slip uh, further and further away from a, a crack at a play in spot. So, um, you know, there's and then, if particularly, if um, I mean, we'll talk about uh, what the Kings could potentially do later in, in terms of the trade deadline, but there could be quite a few big men who leave uh, Sacramento, um, over you know, the coming 12 to 18 hours, 10 hours, however, it is uh, long left uh, as we're recording this, um. So yeah, Kevin Gelly, I think is going to get minutes, uh, and you know they take a flyer on him, they they have a look, and you know see if he's part of the long term plan. So I think it's a pretty smart move.
0: Yeah, I mean he's kind of in that mold of the, I guess you'd call it three and D center is what you'd uh, what you'd hope he'd become. It's what the Clippers would hope he'd become. Um, obviously, it's been tough with him in LA. There's really been very minimal minutes for a developing young big man, as there, you know, usually are on a on a such a contending team like that. But I actually. Quite like him as a as a bit of a free hit there for the Kings, um, and I think the Clippers have obviously got bigger things coming down the pipeline. I'm sure they've uh, they've either got a buyout or a trade candidate in mind, and that's why they wanted to free up that uh, that roster spot because realistically he wasn't going to play in the playoffs at all. Um, and I, I do actually think in some of the trades we discussed earlier in the uh, in the year for the Clippers, I think uh, Kevin Gale had been pretty much included in. Almost all of them because he, uh, he was just kind of occupying that spot in the roster and uh, a bit of salary that the Clippers weren't really using to contend. So um, perhaps slightly more interesting uh, today was the Kings acquiring DeLon Wright uh, from the Pistons uh, for Corey Joseph and I believe a second round pick going back to uh, going back to Detroit. What did you? Was it two second round picks? What did you make of the uh, the Delon Wright trade for the Kings? And you know, what do you think that says about what's coming up?
1: It is kind of an interesting one. I think, and um, if you're looking at the ages and stuff, although Wrights played a lot less, uh, a lot less years in the in the league compared to Joseph. Um, you know, he's only one year younger than him, so it's not like they're going for like a super young player by any stretch. But in terms of the player himself, I think that. Right, shown um, you know in various stints now across you know a variety of teams that he's able to contribute as sort of a, a combo guard who can play that one or two uh, spot for you um, that you're going to have uh, you're going to be able to sort of plug him in sort of alongside Fox, alongside Halliburton, it gives you some versatility, um, and yeah, I think I think the fit's pretty good. He's you know um, not exactly the best shooter in the world, um, but a pretty strong defender um, for a guard and just someone who I think is going to plug in play pretty nicely. And uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, for, for, from a King standpoint, it, it, it's pretty solid.
0: Yeah. Um, look, I didn't really love the Joseph deal when they signed it a couple of seasons ago. Um, and I, uh, I think it's probably a, a win-win, I guess, for both teams. I guess you could argue that giving up the, uh, the two second round picks is probably not ideal from the Kings perspective, but DeLon Wright brings him some, uh, some positional size there at the point guard spot uh, and some versatility as well. So, you know, if that's just uh, shaking things up a little bit, then it's not the worst move. I, we'll get to it a little bit later, but I think that this signals there's something bigger to come in uh, in Sacramento if they're traded for DeLon Wright. But before we uh, kind of veer back to Sacramento, just discussing some of the, uh, the rumours going around the Pacific Division with the Trade deadline so close, and um, while it has been very quiet on the trade front uh, so far, uh, the Kings probably actually been the most active team. Technically, uh, there's been whispers uh, about what the Lakers might do. Given uh, obviously they've got injuries to their two stars, they don't want to slip too far in the seating. There was some uh, you know rumors that perhaps uh, Kyle Lowry might be on his way to uh, LA, but Uh, realistically with the salaries that would be uh, near impossible Um, and now we're hearing sources coming out of the Lakers saying that uh, THT and draft picks aren't really going to be on the table this period but uh, there's also rumours that Montres Harrell might be available for teams that are interested Uh, what are you making of what we're hearing out of the Lakers and do you think they'll make any moves before the deadline?
1: I think it's really important that the LA Laker front office doesn't panic too hard. I mean, I, I know that you're going to be a little bit worried about how uh, Davis comes back. Um, LeBron's going to be fine, but if falling back um, in the standings, I don't think is going to be the worst thing in the world for them. Cause I still think they're the best team um, currently in the NBA. So, well, at least when they're healthy. Um, but it is interesting that they're starting to at least um, be tempted by moving the likes of uh, Trez, KCP. Um, Dennis Schroeder is another name that also got bounced around today in a report or yesterday. Um, so it, it it shows that they're not sitting on their laurels, which, or resting on their laurels, which is great um, by one point, but you also don't want them to overreact. I mean, the Cole Arrow fit would be, fantastic to get, you know, someone of his playoff experience and still a high-performing caliber at the point guard position and someone who you're probably going to back a little bit, you know, deeper in a postseason rather than Dennis Schroeder. But at the same time, you don't want to mortgage, um, you know, you don't want to completely gut your depth to get a veteran point guard to, to come in there and play. So while Harold's been disappointing in spots and I don't think he's had nearly the same effect as he has had in the you know in the other locker room in Staples Center um, for the Clippers, um, he, he's a really interesting player who can win you like a lot of regular season games and really change things up, but he's borderline unplayable in the playoffs. So if LA, I, I feel like the Lakers should have known that though. I mean, like, I mean, like the we we saw what happened in the postseason last. Last year, and how much that had an effect on what the Clippers were able to do. So it's, um, I, I, I can't imagine that you know Frank Vogel um, and you know the Lakers front office didn't look at those series and say, okay, maybe he's not for us. Clearly, they still wanted him. So it's, it's going to be a really interesting one to see if they move him and and who is going to want to take um, Harold. So if I, if I'm the Lakers, I'm still standing pat. I'm looking at you know smaller grade moves, you're looking at the buyout market, you know, Andre Drummond still looks like uh, a likely prospect to come in the buyout market, and that's great. Um, You're looking at shooters like Wayne Ellington, who can, you know, again, come in on the cheap. You're not going crazy and just, you know, throwing everything into a trade for Kyle Lowry.
0: Yeah, um, and I think um, after those rumours did surface, I've seen several kind of Riders come out and discuss the difficulty salary-wise just to get uh, Kyle Lowry to uh, uh, the Lakers would be next to impossible. And they're very, uh, very close to the apron there. So um, I think they can't absorb any more than $1.5 in extra salary. Uh, It's going to be tough. They would have to give up substantial depth, something they especially can't afford to do at the moment um, because they do need to at least tread water here whilst their two superstars are out because um, the last thing they want is a seeding battle while they're trying to work. LeBron, who, like you said, will be fine, and AD, who I'm not quite so sure about uh, back from injury. You know. um, so I think things are going to be fairly quiet in LA. I, there might be a fringe move here or there, um, but I think the Lakers are going to be fairly quiet. The rumour we are hearing on the buyout market is that if Andre Drummond is bought out, the Lakers would be clearly front runners um, with the ability to offer him that starting centre role. Uh, how do you feel about uh, a free swing at Drummond? Or do you think they're better off just kind of sticking with Gasol and uh, and Harrell um, rather than shaking it up with someone that's obviously a, a former All-Star and rates himself as a, you know, a max contract kind of player?
1: I mean, I mean, you they're already a really good defensive team. I'd be a bit worried about the defensive rating dropping when Drummond's in there. Um, I don't think he's the worst defender at the five, like oh, probably some people think. He's not great. Um, but He's he's still like an elite re- uh, rebounder. Um, he's still probably going to give you 10 to 12 points, probably more than that, actually, um, particularly with LeBron um, working off him. I think that's a like an okay fit basketball-wise. I mean, I, I I still think that if it was a trade, I definitely wouldn't be going for him. But the buy market, I mean, like, is, is a different story. And I don't think you're risking too much. Um, it, it's just... I, I, I really liked what the Lakers did last season having sort of like a center by committee um, very golden State esque um, in terms of different guys that you could sort of plug in and play depending on matchups and if it wasn't so hard to get you know someone back because um, you need a, a third team to trade for them and then for them that team to uh, you know, for, for, for that player to hit the buyout market. I mean, someone like JaVale McGee, I think would be much better suited to this Lakers team, not only because he knows the system, but in terms of what he's able to bring in terms of a positional, um, uh, positionally defensive, better player than Drummond and also having that vertical spacing, which is always um, good for, you know, this Lakers team. But yeah, it's, I don't think he's going to turn them into an overly dominant Team or like a more dominant team, but I I don't think he's going to move things too drastically the other way either.
0: Yeah, um, I think uh, I think he would at least provide them with them uh, with some uh, stability uh, whilst and some competency whilst uh, AD and LeBron are out. Ironically, center is probably one of the few positions they've actually got some depth at uh, when Gasol's healthy. Obviously, we discussed Harold um, and you know his regular season exploits before. And, uh, you know, that would probably almost be more helpful. But I'm assuming that we're, obviously Drummond will probably, to a certain extent, if he gets bought out, have a, have a complete say over where he goes because he might be top of the list of buyout guys. And I think him and his agent are going to be looking to find him somewhere where he's going to get a decent role. Um, so if the, the Lakers uh, bring him in, I certainly hope they don't overpromise a role and have some chemistry issues. But if they could set realistic standards with him about what he's there to do, um, play alongside LeBron rehabilitate his value a little bit, then I I don't see any harm in giving it a go um, off the buyout market. The, uh, over the hallway at Staples center, there's certainly been a lot more rumors. The Clippers have a little bit more flexibility, um, although they are close to that apron as well. Um, One, the name that consistently keeps coming up for them is Aaron Holiday out of Indiana. Uh, Indiana made it clear that they're certainly willing to be sellers at this deadline. They've struggled recently and, um, they are listening to offers, you know, from everyone from the back of their bench to their all-star Demantis Sabonis. Um, what do you make of Aaron Holiday in LA uh, as a, as an option here at the deadline for them?
1: Well, he's someone who's dropped out of the rotation a lot more since uh, Nate Bjorkin's taken over, and well, I don't think he'd be a bad fit for the Clippers. Um, depending on what the price they paid for him, um, I still think he's probably the third. Uh, or like your backup op- like the a, a third of sort of three options. Um, I still think that the Clippers are better off. Look, They want some stability um, and that's probably more going to come from a veteran player. Not that I think Aaron holiday is a bad player by any stretch. It's just that, that, that move kind of seems like it better suited for a team. Who's maybe mid table looking to take that next step potentially. Um, there'd be too big of a question mark for me personally um, over what Aaron holiday could do in a playoff setting and a deep postseason run. So I still think that the aforementioned names that um, have got bandied about um, a couple of which we've talked about on previous uh, mock trades um, for the Clippers, the guys like Ricky Rubio and George Hill are still the guys who I would be heavily targeting if I was the Clippers. Um, just cause you know what you're going to get out of those guys a lot more. Um, whether that's the, you know, um, steady playmaking of Rubio, pretty stout defender, or you're going with someone like George Hill who can knock down your threes. um, And then, yeah, also provide that reliability um, as a playmaker. I still think those two veteran players are a better fit for the Clippers at the moment. But, I mean, if the worst comes to worst and they get Aaron Holiday, not the worst thing in the world. Yes, and the
0: other, uh, I completely agree. Um, Holiday's a fine player. A uh, good guy to have in the rotation, but uh, I, I certainly don't think uh, they're going to be popping the champagne um, in Steve Barmer's office if they are to trade for him, because I certainly don't think he's someone that could you know, put you over the top. Um, I, you know, I, I certainly would like to see him moved out of Indiana. Um, he's got more to offer than what he's currently getting a chance to do there, but he, he's not the kind of guy where you go, oh, wow, the Clippers have got Aaron you know, They're the clear favorites in the West now by any means. Another name that's been linked to the Clippers recently, particularly about a week ago, although we've discussed him before and his trade value just keeps going up and up and up despite the fact he's sitting out at the moment, is uh, is Alonzo Ball. Now, I know we've discussed this one before. Um, do you think the Clippers have the assets to get it done? Is this realistic or is this just a rumor that's floating around that's never going to come to fruition?
1: I think the rumor is definitely going to keep banning about, and understandably because of how well Lonzo's played sort of um, this chunk of the season, which we've talked about quite a bit. But it just doesn't seem like New Orleans are going to trade him. Um, it would take quite an overpay in terms of an offer um, to really pry him out of there. Um, I, I, Although, you know, you you and I have talked about the fit on the on this Clippers team with Lonzo would be fantastic. And particularly, you know, I would be very excited to see a Western Conference final series between the two LA sides with Lonzo playing against the Lakers. That'd be fun. But I just don't think it's going to happen. I'd I'd be very surprised to see Lonzo move out of uh out of the bio um really for, for any team at the moment.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think uh I think at the moment Particularly, you know, obviously LeVar's doing everything he can to try sully the situation in, uh, in New Orleans. But I just don't think the Clippers have the assets to get it done. Um, in any of these trades, Luke Kennard is probably likely going to have to be the guy that would go. Uh, and it's subjective to not or not whether he's even a value contract at this point. Um, I certainly think he's got a little bit more than what he's shown. Obviously, he's played all right maybe the last week or two. But, uh, you know, he would have to be the key centerpiece along with draft considerations or young players in any of these trades. Um, and I'm just not sure Canard's got that value. I think if if the Pelicans were to move off Lonzo, I think they could find more value elsewhere. Chicago is another team that's been bandied about in that conversation. Um, and I'm just, as much as we both love that fit of Lonzo in LA, I just don't think the Clippers have the, uh, the assets to get it done. Um, all the other names, I guess I've been hearing about the Clippers, you know, George Hill, we've discussed at length before. Ricky Rubio, we've discussed at length before. Is there anything else you've uh, you've heard floating around to do with the Clippers that you uh, you think is of is of interest?
1: No, they're they really the main ones at the moment. I think the desire to have another playmaker come into that lineup to provide something, a point of difference to what Pat Beverly and Reggie Jackson can provide. Um, you did touch on Luke Kennard and his ability as a sort of, you know, non-primary secondary playmaker um, is something that is still going to develop. I think it's still pretty good. Um, and he's going to play a little bit more based on how he's been playing of late. But um, yeah, I, I, I still think they need to go for a point guard. I mean, buyout options. I'm not sure they might like look at getting another shooter um, or if they want to get another big, but I, I still think they're pretty, they're, they're quite set with a Barker and Zubax. Um, as their two primary uh, big men. So, yeah, if, if the Clippers can snag a, a point guard who I would say starts um, and they're pretty comfortable playing alongside Kawhi and PG um, to at least help them run some plays and to, you know, sort of drag them out of this isolation that, um, you know, and jumpers that they seem to fall in love with late in games, that's really, you know, been their kryptonite of, uh, of sorts. Um, I think that's the main thing they're going to look for.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And and as you kind of spell it out like that, obviously if they could get Lonzo, that'd be great. But I wonder if perhaps a just an older, steadier head, um, you know, as the ball handler, as the person to get them into their offensive sets might be the way to go. Um, someone that, you know, Ty Luke can plug and play. that uh, has got plenty of experience in the league and we've thrown around a few of those names. It'll be interesting to see uh, what happens for the Clippers leading up to the deadline. And obviously... They did clear that roster spot with Kevin Galo, which means that perhaps there's a buyout guy, they've got um, their mind on or they're targeting. And it will be interesting to see what they do there because the Clippers, like the Lakers, for those players that get bought out, will certainly be a, a team of interest because there's minutes to be had there and they're certainly going to contend. So that tends to be what buyout guys look for. Um, I guess moving over to the Phoenix Suns, uh, the, the rumours around them haven't been as, a, as vicious as what they have been. To do with uh, some of the other teams in the league. Obviously, they've already done that deal for Tory Greg. Um, I've heard potentially her son Whiteside. Um, I've heard potentially Javale McGee. Um, those two would both occupy a similar role. Evan Fournier is another one that's thrown around. Um, what are you uh, What are you making of the the word around the Suns right now? Do you think they'll uh, stay as they are, or do you think there's something coming uh, coming into the the Valley Boys squad?
1: I think they're pretty set with their squad how it is. I think it's got them to this point They, you look at the roster and it, there's not really a lot of glaring holes. Um, it's not like they're crying out for a position that needs to be fit. Um, I, I think that um, Whiteside's definitely an option sort of on the buyout that we'll get to later. Um, and if they really want to... And the other position I think they might be looking at is maybe a backup point guard if they're not, you know... Fully trusting what uh, campaign and Javon Carter can contribute into a postseason run, and I, I think it just really depends for Phoenix how hard they want to go this season. Um, obviously, CP three is getting older, um, and while he's probably still got a few years left, it's I think it's going to be really interesting to see what James Jones does to see if they're going to you know potentially overpay with some picks. Um, chucking in some younger players um, to try to get that, you know, just upgrade their bench a little bit. Cause I think their starting five is rock solid as hell. So it, it's going to be very interesting to see where this front office sort of considers their side because, you know, with the Lakers faltering and sort of how things are set at the moment it is very wide open. So, it's going to be really interesting to see like which of these teams that, you know, are, you know, on the bubble or, um, right up there on top of the standings like Phoenix are sitting just behind Utah. If they're going to, you know, pull the trigger and just go all in this season.
0: Yeah. I certainly wonder, I uh, wonder if they should just sit pat there and, uh, in Phoenix. I mean, obviously, um, you know, the Lakers with well, no guarantee they'll be fully healthy and in a rhythm by the time they reach the postseason. Um, Something about the Clippers that just feels off again this year, I can't quite pinpoint it, but um, I I certainly don't think teams are as scared of them as what they were at the start of last year. Uh, You know, Utah obviously have been slapped with the label a little bit until they prove it in the postseason. There's a chance Phoenix might look around and go, well, hey, we're pretty well poised here to to give this a decent crack with the current side we've got. Um, And sure, they might have a sniff around the buyout market, but I, I wonder if they'll just stay as is um, moving down to the bay and uh, and your boys there in golden state um the the porzingis rumors have quieted down the old depot rumors are quieted down the only one i've really seen pushed around golden state recently and i don't know uh, whether you've seen this one is uh is bogdan bogdanovich um floated for kelly Oubre and a couple of different rumors i've seen is there any interest there from your end um how do you feel about that fit? Uh, and uh, do you think the Warriors will make a move here before the deadline? I,
1: I really don't think they're going to do too much at all. Um, o- Kelly Oubre has obviously been the name bandied about. Uh, I think Steve Kerr's comments uh, after their last game didn't really rule anything out particularly, but it certainly doesn't seem that they're going to make a move. I think there, there's, there, there hasn't been any sign from Oubre that like, that he wants out of Golden State, and then he won't re-sign with them. Um, very, very like it, it, I just, I just don't see it happening. Um, the, the whole Bogdanovich trade in a vacuum for this season, I think it's it, uh, probably you know you're getting a little bit more of a reliable scoring threat uh, than, than Oubre. But if I'm Golden State, I'm. I'm having a crack this season because I think that as I said previously, that things are wide open and you're not sure how things would go. I mean, you know, while I don't suspect Golden State are going to win the championship this season, it's same with Steph Curry. You never know what they're going to do. So they could look at, you know, sort of going all in and getting more punch. Um, Uh, from their wing spots and going with someone like Bogdan. But at the same time, I think that they need to be looking at next season when Clay's back. And I think that even though Ubro is probably going to come off the bench in that spot, I think he helps solidify that second unit with someone who's a a slasher, um, can get to the rim, defends at a high level, is good for a highlight play. And I I, I just think it would be quite foolish to, to move him on regardless of like the, the contract situation, obviously, um, going into the off season.
0: Yeah. Um, and a lot of uh, the rumors about Bogdanovich's supposed unhappiness in Atlanta uh, comes to do with the fact that uh, he was given the impression he'd be a starter. He's been coming off the bench. Uh, I don't think there's any guarantee that uh, Bogdanovich would start next year on the Warriors. Um, and so by that logic, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure that trading for him is necessarily a good idea. I think Ubrey would be more malleable to a six man role. Um, and uh, and I certainly think that uh, if I was the Warriors, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be doing that deal. I think they lose out a bit defensively there. Um, and until we see what Clay looks like when he comes back defensively, I, I wouldn't be trading in uh, you know defensive players um, or guys that can at least hold up on the wing like Ubra or Wiggins. Uh, just until we uh, we get a look at what Clay looks like off this injury and see whether he's still the same elite level wing defender that he was. Mm. Um, before he got hurt, because obviously I, I think we're all fairly confident that the shooting's going to return. Um, but I, I certainly don't think I'd be sacrificing defense just yet. Um, and uh, and Bogdanovich himself has been quite injury prone. Um, and uh, injuries is the last thing this Warriors team wants to inherit uh, based on the last couple of years they've had to deal with. So I agree with you. I think the best thing for them to do is just roll it over. Uh, hopefully bring back Oubre for a reasonable number next year and see how the squad looks at uh, at full strength. Um, over in Sacramento, uh, the Harrison Barnes rumours seem to have quietened down. Um, uh, Woj said on his, uh, his trade special with Zach Lowe earlier today that um, the Kings feel that Barnes is a a, a good player on a good contract, helps them win games. And sure, if, uh, if they were blown out of the water, they'd move him, but I don't think they're going to move him for the sake of moving him. So that one's been fairly quiet. Um, what do you make of the of the Kings now? Do you think we're going to see them sell at all at this deadline or, or do you think we're just going to see them roll a very similar lineup into, uh, into the second half of the year?
1: I, I think they're pretty confident in what... It's not going to be this season, but I think in having a crack at the playoffs next season. So I'm not sure if they're really going to be as high sellers as probably we expect or as potentially as maybe Kings fans want. Um, if if they've got the same aspirations and the same optimism that their front office has, um, I still think that they're you're probably going to get some smaller moves in terms of the front court, like um, which we'll talk about in a little bit with our uh, mock trades. But I don't know. I mean, like if you, you Rashawn Holmes is a guy who could get moves, but you know, this is you know, just yesterday, or the day before you spoke about how happy he was. In terms of where he was in his career, and, and I guess yeah, how content he is being in Sacramento, and I, I think getting although I, he's not a player who exactly says the world on fire, I think he's still one of the most reliable bigs in the league, um, despite his skill set probably not being as expansive as some other um, guys who played the five, ah, uh, uh, or have sorry, um, and plus if he's a guy who wants to stay in Sacramento, like. That's someone who you want to keep, you know, you're not exactly the biggest free agent spot in the world. So having someone who, you know, is going to be reliable um, at your center position, and particularly while the long-term future of Marvin Bagley is probably under question considering how his body's going and I mean, like his injuries he's picking up. I know like a, a broken hand is not exactly something that's going to be, you know, potentially reoccurring, but it it, it is frustrating. I imagine for Kings fans to see such a promising young player, taken at the position he was, continue to get hurt. So, in, in ter- yeah, in terms of the deadline, I, I'd be surprised if any if anyone gets moved. I think probably the only one who, I think at least, is ter- probably looking over his shoulder if he's going to get moved is probably Buddy Heald, um, particularly with DeLon Wright coming in. I still, uh, you know, c- it creates, continues to create a bit of a log jam at the guard spot and whether Sacramento see Buddy Heald as a long-term... Uh, um, guy who can play at the three next to Fox and Halliburton, I'm not sure. So I, I still think he probably is the one who is most likely to get moved. I'm just not sure if it'll be at the deadline.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I think the move today signals that Buddy Hield is, uh, is going in some way, shape or form. I think it's just a matter of time. Obviously, there was that rumor uh, that Marvin Bagley was offered for Sadiq Bay and the Pistons turned that down. Um, which really goes to show you, not that I mean, Sadiq Bay is a fine player. He's going to be a you know fine wing, well, a three and D wing player in this league. But goes to show you how much Bagley's uh, trade value has dropped. That a guy that was picked number two overall only a few years ago um, is uh, is not a reasonable package for someone that was picked um, in the mid first round this year. Uh, so his, uh, his trade value is certainly probably at an all time low. Uh, and if they can't get that kind of player for him, well, I wonder if perhaps they're better off just holding on to him and seeing if they can uh, they can work it out because there's no point trading him for peanuts at this point. You may as well hold on and uh, see what you can get for him. Um, as, uh, as we did earlier in the year for the uh, the LA teams, um, we've come up with some trade and buyout ideas. Um, now, sorry, Kings fans, there's no one here that you're going to be buying out. We've had to be realistic.
1: Um
0: <laughs> But there will be some buyout options for the Suns and the Warriors. Uh, both teams that players might want to go to. Um, so why don't you hit me with your buyout players to start off with uh, for Phoenix and Golden State, Nick?
1: Well, Kings fans can be uh, slightly assured that they are going to feature um, in the buyout conversation because one of their players, <laughs> I think, will get bored out. And that's the Sam Whiteside. And I think that he's a pretty okay fit at Phoenix. I know... Whiteside's a player quite similar to Montrezl Harrell in slightly different ways, and not in terms of their play style, but their I guess inability to get played in important moments in a postseason. Um, he's not someone who you're going to you know who Phoenix are going to be like. All right, Hassan, go out and defend Jokic for prime minutes over DeAndre Ayton. It's not happening. But the center position is not exactly uh, something that they're totally flush with. Um, in Phoenix. So I I think that, you know, white side is probably not going to play more than 15 minutes a night, but that's kind of all you need to do. You know, like we've talked about guys who, you know, are buyout options for uh, championship contenders. And a lot of the time for bigs, it's just like, can you give me like six fouls and someone (laughs) who can just be out there to at least just body up and, and just, offer a bit of a presence. Whiteside's not a shocking player. He's still going to, you know, rebound and he can score inside. And he's, but yeah, he's someone who probably teams are going to target a little bit and they still do on the defensive end for good reason. But yeah, I mean, Phoenix probably need another big. There's been previous years when there's been quite a lot of veteran big men looking for like a, a, a crack at a ring um, on the buyout market this isn't really one of those years when there's a lot of those guys around. I mean, Drummond and Whiteside are the two, one, two of the names getting bandied about the most and, you know, like, yeah. Um, so uh, <laughs> I, I think that, yeah, Whiteside and Phoenix, pretty like low risk move for the Suns to make.
0: Yeah, I, I quite like that one. Um, like you said, it's certainly situational with him. You're not going to be playing him 30 minutes a night in the playoffs. he, he he was actually oddly effective in, in weird spot minutes for Portland last mm. year in their series against the Lakers, despite the fact they managed to make some him and Nurkic minutes work, which still continues to confuse me. Uh, but I guess just having two seven-footers at the rim when you're playing against LeBron James and Anthony Davis doesn't hurt sometimes, uh, particularly if the long ball's not falling for LeBron. So, yeah, he, he provides a, a rim protector, someone that can catch lobs. He's still fairly athletic, um, even though his effort level is slowly declined. And if the Suns can get a crack at him for free, um, he's certainly worth it. And like you said, worst comes to worst, he could just be six fouls. Um, and uh, and that's not the worst look. And that's kind of similar to where I've gone to with the Suns for my buyout player. Um, I've gone with the, probably the slightly better white Whiteside, and that's uh, Andre Drummond. Um, look, he won't be getting starting minutes. The fact is he's not taking eight in spot. It's not even close. Um, I, lo- I love how we're calling
1: as- like a former, like, uh, <laughs> oh, slightly better Hassan Whiteside, Andre Drummond. That's that's that, that's very good, It's very good.
0: Yes, well, uh, it was. It feels like only a couple of years ago now that Whiteside was in conversation with Defensive Player of the Year, and Drummond was a uh, in conversation every All Star break. But uh, oh, how the big men, uh, the uh, the unversatile big men, have fallen. But um, the uh Drum Drummond certainly. Would, uh, would get good bench minutes. As much as I've and a lot of the Phoenix fans have fallen in love with the Sarge at the five minutes in the regular season, it's probably the kind of cute situation that doesn't work in the playoffs too well. There are a lot of bigs in the Western Conference to get through. You've got to get through Gobert. You've got to get through Jokic. You have to get through LeBron, AD. Um, and having, a, having another big body you can throw out there uh, so you don't have to play too much. Sarich at the five and you have to play minimal Frank, the tank in the playoffs. Uh, certainly a good idea. Now, if Drummond wants a starting role, he probably won't go to Phoenix, but I certainly think uh, he'll uh, hear them out. Uh, should he get bought out uh, if Phoenix are interested? And so I'd like to see uh,
1: Drummond go there.
0: What are your thoughts on that, Nick? And uh, and after that, I guess, who are you thinking for your warriors as a buyout candidate?
1: I, th- I think you're right. If, if Drummond is looking for major minutes, in a crack towards a ring, he's not going to find it at Phoenix, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I, 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 again, a player who I I do like the fit of um, sort of going in there and particularly, you know, sort of, even if it's, it doesn't contribute to a major postseason success, he's probably not the worst player in the world to at least do a little bit of mentoring towards uh, um, DeAndre Ayton. So Uh Yeah, I I, I think I like the fit. Um, But yeah, I I just think there's probably another couple of teams who are probably a bit higher in the pecking order, um, at least um, on his agent's uh, phone call list um, when that buyout does indeed happen. But in terms of the dubs, um, I've I've pinched one of yours, Lou. I apologize. Um, Because I I think that he is the perfect fit um, for a Golden State team who is needing a little bit more scoring oomph. And that's Otto Porter. Um, the other guy I looked at was Wayne Ellington, who a, a, a different kind of skill set. Um, Ellington's definitely the more reliable three point shooter, um, but Porter's probably the more yeah, just the more versatile scorer. Someone who could come off the bench uh, and yeah, just give Golden State a little bit more oomph. Um, you know, we saw we've seen when Curry hasn't been there how how hard it is sometimes for this Golden State team to score. And Porter's a guy who can score by himself. Um, you know, and yeah, I, 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 he's a pretty low risk sort of guy that you're going to plug in there, um, to sort of boost, uh, bolster that second unit, you know, with the, with the likes of Nico Mannion, Jordan Poole, he'll probably, he will go back there. And if you're looking at, you know, a, a second unit of, you know, Poole, Mannion, Pascal, Porter, and I don't know, Damien Lee, that's a pretty fun second unit, um, for Golden State, particularly because Brad is not in it, but, um, but yeah, I think I think Porter's still got a little bit to give uh, for a for a team wanting to to make a crack at you know a half decent postseason run. And I think, yeah, the fit in the bay, I like.
0: Yeah, um, he's a uh, like you said, he's, he's who I had down as well here, and uh, I think with good reason. Um, it, it's it's not that long ago that Porter was obviously signed to that big deal with the idea of him being the third piece alongside Beal and Wall. Uh, and to be honest with you, when he's healthy, um, he's still been a good player. That health has really been his mm-hmm. biggest issue. Um, he is playing a little bit heavier now than he used to a few years ago, um, which gives him the versatility to play the four if you need in some smaller lineups. Uh, and he's a, he's quite a competent defender. He's a good shooter. Can run a little bit of pick and roll as well if you need. I, I, I like him for the Warriors because, quite frankly, um, I could definitely see him rehabilitating his image in Golden State. And then uh, that might leave Bob Myers with a tough choice of who to pay out of Oubre and Porter. In the best case scenario, there would be Porter, looks like Washington Porter, and the Warriors have to decide which of their 3 and D wings they would want to um, they would want to put more finances behind in the offseason. So I would certainly look at that as a, um, a win-win situation. I think Porter would enjoy playing alongside guys like Curry and, and Draymond and people that are going to share the ball. Uh, and, uh, and the Warriors would get a, a 3 and D wing off the buyout market. He's someone that I think would actually be quite popular should he get bought out in Chicago, because I think he'd fit into almost any roster. Um, health is always the big, the big concern with him, but I would love to see him in the, uh, in the Warriors uniform. Um, so we'll keep our eyes peeled for that one and see where he goes if Chicago choose to buy him out. Um, moving on to some trade ideas. Uh, and I'll get the ball rolling on uh, on this first one. Talking about the Suns, um, and this first name here is someone that's been very popular in trade talks uh, as his uh, as his franchise has been slipping further and further down the Eastern Conference playoff standings, and that is Norman Powell mm. from the Raptors. I have a uh, I have Norman Powell going to the Suns, along with Terrence Davis, who quite frankly just needs a change. Uh, we all understand the, uh, the legal proceedings that have been going on for him. That's, they just think he needs a fresh start. I have him going to the Suns for Javon Carter, Abdul Nader, uh, and the Suns' most recent first-round pick, Jalen Smith. Um, now, there's a couple of factors to so this. One, I think Norman Power, as a sixth man, I know you said the Suns could do with an extra point guard. He can play as a sixth man off the bench, kind of handling the ball, an extra campaign. Um, He can be a a scorer, an effective scorer. He can close games for you. He's really athletic, a capable defender. Um, And then you get a a sneaky extra piece there in Terrence Davis that could develop into a really nice 3-and-D piece um, with a fresh start. The Suns, obviously, if you're going to get something, you have to give something up. Um, And the big asset here would be Jalen Smith, who was only taken in the the mid-to-late lottery by the Suns this year. Uh, for the Raptors, they get a chance to move off Powell before his contract expires. Give Davis the fresh start he probably needs. And they get a lottery pick from the last year's draft, as well as Abdul Nader, who's a respectable 3&D guy who might flourish under Nick Nurse. And Javon Carter, who's very handy kind of backup point guard, defensive stalwart kind of type. What do you think of that hmm. one?
1: It, it certainly is interesting. Uh, Powell's a name that's really sort of shot up like the last probably week and a half. Um, in terms of someone who can get moved someone who probably more teams are starting to take a look at and taking uh, definitely i think more casual fans are starting to take Norman Powell a lot more seriously as a player um i do like the move uh the Jalen Smith one is a is a hard one to sort of uh to send the other way but as you said you do have to you know you got to give something to get something so um i i, I like th- them having another scorer um, as well Um, sort of outside of Chris Paul and Devin Booker, someone else who you can back to get you a bucket um, down the stretch is that it's always handy to have uh, more of those because I I don't know, you're not really going to get big time shots. I mean, you you might get, if you get some open threes from guys like McCall Bridges, um, uh, he's a better scorer than I'd probably give him credit for, but, um, and Jay Crowder, DeAndre Ayton, these sort of guys, Cam Johnson, they're, they're not guys who I'm, you know, probably got that experience of, you know, getting the ball and, you know, being the guy to sort of give you that clinching bucket, game winning bucket, <laughs> or you want to say it. So having Powell in there definitely is um something that would be really, really good. I'd just be, Sort of interested to see if Toronto takes that, and then uh, Terence Davis as well as you said probably needs it needs a scenery change, but I really liked what he did last year. Um, you know, can shoot the hell out of the ball. Uh, got a really nice looking stroke. He's someone who he would slide into what Nate has done for Phoenix this season, and yeah, I, I, I like it. I like it.
0: Excellent. Um, yeah, look, I don't think it will happen. Teams very rarely trade there. Most recent first round pick um, from the years that from the draft is gone, but it's, it's certainly an interesting concept. What uh, what trade have you uh, whipped up here for the Suns in our theoretical trade? So
1: I, I haven't gone to big, um, I've gone someone who is going to provide a steady hand. I feel like if I had a dollar for the amount of times we've mentioned this guy's name, not only on this podcast, but every podcast in the last few weeks, um, Phoenix are going to send Javon Carter, Etwan Moore, Langston Galloway, and a 2023 first-round pick to the Oklahoma City Thunder for George Hill. Um, the first-round pick's probably the hard one maybe for Suns fans to, um, to part with, but as I said, if they really want to go hard and take advantage of this wide open or more wide open NBA season that currently stands, I think that solidifying their point guard position beyond campaign uh, is something that they should do um, to give Chris Paul a little bit more of a spell um, so they can, you know, play him more extended minutes going down the stretch. I know that he's, you know, he's still, he's going really well, but, you know he's getting on, and if any way that you can keep him a little bit fresher, um, I think is good. I'm not saying that Campaign's done a bad job. I think he's done a fantastic job actually, and as someone who's you know was borderline out of the league and has been able to really re- revitalize his NBA career as a backup for Phoenix, I just think that if Phoenix can get a better option than that then campaign that they should and that George Hill's playmaking and ability to shoot and just to keep things going. Okay. While Paul sits, I think is something that you want to have uh, going into a postseason, particularly for a team that is quite young.
0: It's funny. George Hill is a, it's becoming like Mr. Fix it uh, for pretty much any team that doesn't have 48 minutes of competent point guard play. Um, and, uh, and this is another classic scenario. I mean, OKC would definitely do it. Presti's obviously uh, already got himself some Phoenix draft assets from the Chris Paul, Kelly Oubre trade um, and wouldn't be afraid to get another slice of that pie. And I do like it for Phoenix. If they think they're ready to contend now, um, if they think their timeline is the next couple of years, then absolutely. Um, you know, Give up that draft asset with the confidence that you've got Booker, who's, a, who's now a two-time All-Star and Aiton, who's hopefully going to grow into one himself. Um, you've got Bridges, you've got Johnson, some young guys who so you shouldn't be, you know, a lower lottery team in the next couple of years um, and take a swing now whilst the West is is certainly not wide open, but more open than perhaps it felt uh, coming into the years. So I, I quite like that concept um, and it will be interesting, whether it's Phoenix or another team, to see where George Hill winds up at the end of this deadline because I'm confident Um, as long as he's feeling healthier now, again, after that hand injury that, um, he'll get moved somewhere, uh, before the deadline is over. Um, now, uh, I've got a, I've got a Warriors trade here and I know you'll like it because I know that JaVale McGee is perhaps your favorite niche role-playing center in the league. Um, I hear the way you talk about him, Nick. Uh, vertical spacing understands his role, and you'll be happy to know that in this scenario, he's not the headline mm. of the trade. It's Larry Nance Jr. and JaVale McGee going from Cleveland mm. to the Warriors for Kelly Oubre and, a Wol- and the Wolves' 2021 second, which will admittedly be in the 30s. So it is actually an asset enough for Cleveland. Um, Larry Nance has been fantastic this year. He's versatile. He can defend kind of anything three through five play anything three through five on the offensive end, shooting the three well, racks up steals like he's TJ McConnell, um, can block the ball as well at the rim, give you a bit of secondary rim protection. And JaVale McGee, we know how he fits in Golden State. Um, He's looking just as fresh as ever. Um, And the Cavs get Oubre, who's a a wing, and the the Cavs always need more depth at the wing. Um, And they can have a look at him and try before they buy Uh, and see where they want to re-sign him. And they get a pick that's going to be in the 30s next year from the Wolves uh, by the Warriors. So I think that's kind of a win-win. Nance is under contract for the next couple of years at a very healthy price. Um, And the Warriors get JaVale for a sneaky little playoff from this year. What do you think of Uh, that one?
1: JaVale's back in a Warriors uniform. I mean, it just just makes my heart happy. Um, But yeah, I mean, Nance is a really good player. I think it doesn't get probably the credit That he deserves since he sort of, you know, went across from the Lakers to Cleveland in that, um, in LeBron's second run there. You know, he's stuck around and he's continued to to develop as a player, continued to mature and make really good decisions on both ends of the floor. Um, He's a really good defender, as you've said. He's been a, particularly when the, he's, he's played really well all season, but particularly when Cleveland started pretty okay and we we're thinking okay you know are they a chance for the play-in tournament i think he was very good then part of a you know a pretty important sort of young uh, core of players so I, I think it yeah i mean the golden state having someone like nance off the bench would be fantastic um particularly you know as they continue to sort of ease james wiseman into things um yeah, I, I I like it. Um, Ubre um as that wing um in Cleveland is is an interesting one. Um, if you know they want to sort of keep him long term, and yeah, I think I think the fit would be interesting to sort of see how they work out. Obviously, they've they drafted Isaac Akoro to sort of see, you know, who would play like the three out of those guys. Is Ubre going to come off the bench? Is Okoro going to come off the bench? Um, do they decide to play? I don't know, garland off the bench by Sexton more as a point guard. I'm not sure what Cleveland would do in that situation, but I don't mind it. I I don't mind it at all. On the flip side, actually, um, speaking of Cleveland and Golden State, uh, you know, in conversations together, the one player who I have seen uh, get rumored around is that I'd almost be, I'm not sure how the salaries work, I haven't checked, but um, instead of Larry Nance, potentially Chetty Osman with JaVale McGee, if that was a deal that Cleveland would want to do to get Golden State another wing scorer off the bench. What, how, how do you think Osmond would go in Golden State?
0: Yeah, I, I think Osmond's more of a flyer. Um, I, I was certainly someone that believed um, in a, in his potential. Um, you know, a couple of years ago. Look, if if that's just kind of as a as a guy that you could take a chance on, and if he works in your system and kind of like Wiggins takes that extra step up. Then um, hopefully you can extend him at a number you're happy with, um, and he can be that kind of three and D guy uh, for the Warriors. I don't think he's anywhere near as assured. Um, his shooting has been streaky throughout his time in the league. Although you could probably say the same about Ubra. Um, and yeah, if that's if that deal was available, I would have to heavily consider it um, for the Warriors. I- I'm pro- if that's probably the deal on the table, I'm probably hesitating and saying no. But I would give it a long, hard think, um, and also it depends on what number they think Ubre is going to want in the off season mm. to a certain extent as well. Um, did you have any other that's trades it. for the um, Warriors?
1: <laughs> this is more of a realistic trade. Um, as I said, I'm not. I'm getting into. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't think Uber is going to be moved at the deadline. Um, it's, I just don't think it's going to happen. I'd be very surprised to wake up tomorrow to find out that Kelly Uber is on another team um, as we're recording this on the Thursday night, uh, Australian time uh, as the deadline continues to tick. Uh, Golden State are going to trade Brad Wanamaker to Philly for a 2023 second round pick um this is an, a sexy move unless you're a golden state fan who really wants Wanamaker out of the team because it's not hasn't worked um which is mm-hmm. me so it is a sexy yeah. move um i think they it's just uh, it's oh. been really frustrating because I, I talked to you about this last week and stuff and particularly you being a celtics man that you know you've seen what brad watermaker can do as like a solid point guard off the bench and someone who can do some stuff but it's just been oh uh, it just hasn't worked steve kerr's enamored with him but like up until recently as Nico Mannion and Jordan Paul um, have got much more of those guard minutes, um, which has been fantastic to see. And that's going to continue when Steph Curry's back and Paul moves to the bench. There's going to, be, there's going to continue to be less and less minutes for Wanamaker. And just, you know, this guy they haven't paid a lot of money um, to, and they can just say, all right, cool, this hasn't worked. I still think that Brad Wanamaker is a solid player. I don't think he's an amazing player. But Philly getting another point guard who can fill a role for them off the bench. I I don't have a hell of a lot of, like, point guard depth. I mean, like, if you're relying on someone like Tyrese Maxey playing, um, you know, like, if you're playing, like, some Seth Curry minutes, like a point guard, um, if they're going for... Jeez, uh, oh, I've just lost. Um, if they're looking at um, playing more Shake Milton at the one as well... Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, having Wanamaker, like you're giving up a, a future second round pick. It's not, it's a really like low risk reward for Philly, um, but it gives Golden State some draft capital. Again, it's something that if they want to make a, a deal further down the line, they've got another pick to do it, but it's just, yeah, it, it, it hasn't worked out with Wanamaker in Golden State, unfortunately. And I think that, you know, sort of getting something back for him is better than just, you know, letting him go and for nothing.
0: Yeah, I, I think uh, the one thing that worried me last year with Wanamaker when the Celtics were contemplating whether he signed him or not is, I mean, he is north of thirty. Um, and he just looks, he just looks like he's not always in the greatest shape. Not weight wise, I just it looks like he's always carrying a niggle. Could just be his kind of ungainly running gait. But I just wonder if you know years of racking up miles in Europe, uh, whether he was you know had two good years for the Celtics there, right during his kind of peak between experience and athleticism, and now he's kind of over the hill. Um, if you're going to send him anywhere, I like the idea of sending him to Philly. He's actually a Philly guy originally as well. Um, send him home. And, uh, and yeah, he's another guy that can defend point guards. Um, the Celtics were able to use him in some lineups where he could defend some twos as well because he's pretty strong, even though he's not that tall. Um, and perhaps, you know, under Doc, veteran coach, um, might be able to kind of Squeeze the last bit of juice he's got left uh, in the legs. And yes, I, if I was the Warriors, I'd absolutely do that. Um, I mean, we, we'll get to it more another time. But Nico Mannion's passing, man, he's just, oh, man. he shows just some flashes. Uh, I'm really into it. I am just, I've seen some stuff that really excites me. I, I don't me. think I've ever been so um,
1: excited for like a just behind the back dump off pass on a fast break um, when they were playing. Oh, uh, geez, who were they playing the other day? um I've completely forgotten which game it was playing in probably because I was just too enamored by what manion oh it was against Philly it was against Philly um Danny Green was coming like screaming <laughs> past uh Manion for like a chase down block which is obviously that I'm very paranoid about considering the last time Danny Green tried to chase down someone completely you know wrecked a certain Splash brother's leg um but yeah, just he, took, he he waited until like the last second possible to dump it off. I think it was for Damian Lee or Kelly Oubre. I can't remember. I think it might have been Lee. Um, and yeah, just that stuff is just it's just really smart for like a kid, um, you know, who's just making his way in the league, hasn't played a lot of games, he's played a lot of G League, and yeah, I, I he's I I didn't see it initially. Um, like I, I could understand like you know why people were high on him, but I also could understand why some teams were low on him as well. Um, But yeah, I, he's exciting Uh, as someone who's providing that solid playmaking from the, the backup point guard spot, got active hands in the passing lane. He's quick. He's not the best shooter in the world. That's something that could hopefully come over time a little bit. And if he can, you know, be a semi reliable three point threat, they've found a good one.
0: Yeah. uh, At some point, um all I'm gonna say is Steve Kerr, keep giving in minutes because I I wanna I wanna do a two-hour Nicomanian deep dive with you <laughs> um, at some point. And uh, I'm just hoping Steve Kerr gives us all the all the juice to do so. Um moving away from uh the next generation of uh, of Red Mumba for a little bit. Um I'm uh gonna move to Sacramento now. Uh and my trade idea, the first one, um is uh the Kings receive Lonnie Walker and Trey Lyles and the Spurs get a crack at Whoa. Marvin Bagley. Um mm, uh, there might be a second round pick going back to uh the Spurs at this point as well. Um my thing is I Derek White, DeJounte Murray, Lonnie Walker, uh three doesn't make two, and Kelden Johnson's Floating around there as well. Uh, not to mention, Demar Derozan might actually end up re-signing in San Antonio when that looked near impossible 12 months ago. Um, I think I think you, if anyone's going to get anything out of Bagley, it'd be someone like Greg Popovich. Um, and I think the Spurs could sell high on Lonnie Walker, who's shown a lot of flashes, um, but uh, perhaps isn't really their one or their two as far as uh, as far as their future guard core moving forward. Trey Lyles is just in there to make the salary work. Uh, am I getting too radical? What do you think of Marvin Bagley in San Antonio, and would the Kings be happy with uh, with Lonnie Walker? Obviously, this would be contingent of them moving off of Buddy Hill. Yeah, I way, think,
1: I think. The, the Walker fit in Sacramento is interesting because I do I do agree that he's shown flashes, but yeah, there's just there's so much of a logjam at uh, at the guard spots in San Antonio. And in terms of San Antonio taking on Bagley, I really like that idea. Um, someone who I think would be really get a good education um, under Popovich. Um, he'd be, you know, while I think that San Antonio's guard spots and the forwards are really starting to get shorn up, getting that big of the future really accelerates and solidifies what this young core um, for the sort of the next generation a potential next dynasty in San Antonio could be like, you know, you got guys, you know, like Murray and Johnson, you know, Derek White and these sort of guys. Add in Bagley, I think it, it'd be really, really interesting, particularly if Murray continues to develop um, his passing ability. Hopefully he can get some nice pick and roll action going between those two. I really like it. Um, it's just whether Sacramento would want to take Walker, if that's going to be enough, they might be asking for a couple more picks involved in that. Um, if, but it, yeah, it's it depends really how high they see Bagley because at the moment it doesn't look like they view him super high, and it also doesn't look like a lot of teams, as as we discussed um, previously with the uh, potential trade to Detroit for Sadiq Bay, that a lot of teams might not be needing to offer the package that for Marvin Bagley that you know might have been there twelve months ago. So, I like it.
0: There you go. Um, and uh, and whilst I'm uh, whilst I'm on that theme then of the Kings potentially moving one of their guards to make room for another young one, uh, my second trade has uh, Buddy Heald and Robert Woodard, the second round pick the Kings took this year, going to the Philadelphia 76ers for Danny Green, Mike Scott, both of those two are more just for salary purposes. You could move them on to another team, and Matisse Tybal. Um what do you think of uh, the Sixers uh, really boosting their shooting alongside Simmons and Embiid with Heald and the Kings kind of looking at Tybal as their defensive three of the future? Yeah,
1: I, I think that the Heald fit in Philly is a really good one. Um, that for a little bit is Philly taking on, you know, sort of someone else who can get his own shot, um, you know, for a, a pretty... What could be a really good-looking postseason run to, um, when sort of Embiid's back and this team's all healthy and all good to go? Um, I, I really like that fit. Uh, and then, who else did you have going back to Sacramento as well? It was Danny Green. Yeah. So
0: it was Danny Green, Mike Scott, Mike Scott. Yeah, I think Fibre, so, um, um I really like
1: because we we're trying to look at. The future for Sacramento, and if you're, you know, you're pretty set on Fox and Halliburton in your backcourt going forward, that three spot's going to get a little bit interesting. And I, uh, like, Hill's not going to play there. I really like the idea of Matisse Thybulle as being that um, your three in Sacramento. Um, You know, whether you know Bagley's still there, what the front court looks like, I'm not sure. But having his defensive ability um, alongside Halliburton is going to make the Kings really tough to play against for the first time, I think in a while. So um, ha- having some lockup defenders there on your wing and I, I really like Seibel's game. Yeah, I-, I really, really like it. Um, it. I'd be interested to sort of see how he would fit into Philly, whether he's I imagine he'd be probably taking that starting spot, but um, you know, but they wanted to chuck him as a six-man. He'd probably close, but it'd be interesting to sort of see the fit there. But definitely, you know, Ben Simmons always can do with some more shooters around him. Same with Embiid to space things out really nicely, as you have seen uh, from Philly this season already how well that's gone for them. Having a guy um, with a three-point shot like Buddy Hield uh, adding to that sort of you know three-point brigade definitely wouldn't hurt.
0: Yeah, I think in this scenario you'd have Seth Curry defending the opposition's one. Um, he's actually a better defender than what perhaps some people give him credit for. he defending the two. Um, Simmons defending the better, uh, the best opposition wing with Harris guarding the other, and Embiid obviously at the five. Um, and uh, that's probably how you how you'd give it a go and see what happens from there. But yeah, I just think uh, the, the Sixers might not need to shake up, but um, Daryl Murray certainly knows you never you can never have too much shooting. Um, and it'll be interesting to see uh, whether they would have any interest in Buddy Hield because I think the Kings are going to look to shop him at the deadline. So uh, you're uh, you're now sitting in Monty McNair's seat, Nick. Um, what deals? Uh, have you well, both up of the, these uh, the have to do with players
1: in the Sacramento frontcourt. Um, first off, I'm trading Nemanja Bialica to also the Philadelphia 76 Sixers for Terrence Ferguson and New York's 2021 second round pick. Um, it's not a lot. Um, going back to Sacramento. Um, that New York pick might be all right, though, um, depending on what the, the Knicks sort of do for the next couple of years, if they're going to, you know, ride their current momentum into something more substantial or if they're going to, you know, go back to being New York again. Um, Terrence Ferguson's not really, you know, he's not going to move the needle, you know, gets another shooter, someone who you can have a look at. Um, but it's more about sort of them moving off Bielitsa, who's not really a part of things in, anymore in Sacramento. Um, I... I, I He's a guy who I'll be really interested to see if if there is more of a trade done for him. If he's someone who's going to hit the buyout market, I'm not sure. So, um, having a guy like that in Philly though is someone who uh, something I I, I like um, to provide a little bit of, a different look in their front court. Um, coming off the bench, um, you know, sort of competing with or supplanting Mike Scott, sort of as that backup um, big who can provide that floor spacing. Although Belitza hasn't. You know, he hasn't had exactly the best year. Um, he's still someone who's, you know, a very uh, reliable um, shooter from downtown. Um, you know, that's his main weapon, and definitely particularly if you're getting buddy healed and you know you know if you're getting some more shooters in there it's given me really good throwbacks to uh when Ben Simmons was running around with Marco Bellinelli and Ersan Eliasova and getting all these three-point weapons alongside him opening up the floor for someone like Simmons and also Embiid as well um you know as as you said Darryl Morey likes some shooters and getting someone uh who's a you know uh a floor spacer um, as a big man, um, I think, is always a valuable trait to have uh, going into a, a postseason run.
0: Yeah, it certainly gives off big Bellinelli vibes. You know, great European shooter. Laxiday is a good defender. It looks like he doesn't really know a good barber. There's a lot in common um, with those three, uh, with those two, and I, I think it's certainly worth a crack. And for the Kings, how hey, you get a draft asset and that's more than letting him walk in the off-season or buying him out. Um, so I think that's definitely a win-win. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, I can't see any issue with that trade whatsoever. And more to it, I'll give you credit, it's a perfectly realistic deal. Um, no one's breaking the bank to get that transaction done. Yeah, I don't think the 76 is a worried about second-round picks if it makes them better around the fringes right now. Um, as we saw last year when they did a trade with, uh, with your boys down in the bay, um, and yeah, I'd be uh happy to see that, that one go through. Um, now I believe you have one more trade for well, me. Well, we're Kings. gonna look at
1: someone slightly bigger in the front court. Someone who we really did talk about saying someone who's uh really loved being in Sacramento, but he's moving. Uh, so Sacramento are uh, going to trade Rashawn Holmes to the Boston round picks. Um, the although. <sighs> It's it's not our uh, it's not in our uh, area of uh, of the NBA, but we could really do a deep dive into what the hell's going on in Boston because I don't know what the hell's going on there, but it's, it's, something's off. I think they need a spark, um, and they need to fix their big man rotation because at the moment it's a bit all over the shop. Tristan Thompson's been really disappointing. The uh, five, it's just yeah yeah. Holmes is someone who oh,
0: I've uh, oh, you go yeah I just uh, I lost you for a second there could you just reiterate the package Romeo so Langford and two second round picks four.
1: so yeah
0: yeah um, so yeah I, I, uh, I agree um, I would love to know what's going yep. on in Boston Nick right now um, and, and uh, yeah um. I, I certainly agree. Rashawn Holmes is someone I would love to see play with the Celtics. Um, it would certainly do my mental health a world of good for us to shore up the big man position there in Boston. Um, Romeo Langford, someone that uh, the rest of the league might not have been paying that much attention to because he's been injured for most of his career. But he was actually a really good defender in his minutes last year, um, mm. which is interesting because he was drafted as more of an offensive guy. Um I think that's a free swing for the Kings. Um, he could be that three, just like Matisse Tybalt could be um, in Sacramento. And the picks are just the extra incentive. Um, so I think that's a that's a win-win. Um, it's perhaps not the big name that Boston are fishing for, but um, Celtics Twitter would be probably happier to see Danny Ainge do a trade than be <laughs> rumored to have almost secured another superstar um, at this point. So, yeah, I think that's a win-win. Um, and, uh, of course, the irony is there. Romeo mm-hmm. Langford was actually taken with the Kings pick that they traded to Philly many a moon ago. Um, so that, that would go full circle, uh, ironically enough. So I really like the sound of that one and uh, would certainly be interested to see if anything like that is going to happen. Uh, as the deadline approaches, because we know Sacramento and Boston, yeah, have been it's on the it's phone probably not the Barnes
1: move leagues. that Celtics fans really want, and it's you know not 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 the sexy move. But Holmes is a guy who is going to rebound. He can score inside. He can block shots. He's going to play very well in a minimal defined role, which is something that the Celtics need out of their center spot. They don't need someone who can score twenty um, or thirty. Uh, They've got those guys. They've got plenty of those guys. So having someone who is reliable at the five is something that they don't really have at the moment and that's what you get in homes. Yep, I completely agree. Um, All right. Well,
0: by the time this is uh, uploaded, the deadline may have passed. It may be rapidly approaching. We'll have to wait and see, uh, Nick. But I can definitely say by the next time we reconvene, the deadline will have happened. We can talk about how right we were, how wrong we were, uh, how bad, good, or indifferent the GMs in this division are. Um, but that's it for another week here on the Pacific Post Ups. Stay tuned around the uh, around the deadline, and we'll see you next week to discuss any of these moves that have happened and how these teams look coming out the other side. Thanks, Nick.